Hey everybody, what's happening? I want to welcome you to the False Jesus Podcast. My name is Ken Chevalier, and I'm glad that you decided to join me today in this New Year episode that I have entitled Spiritual Buffet. If you're brand new with me today, man, I'm glad that you decided to drop by. And if you've been with me on this journey of 10 episodes now, man, I welcome you back to the False Jesus Podcast. I believe that I've got something good for us today, not only because we've come through the holiday days with all of these different food buffets, right? Not because I was hungry throughout the entire holiday season, but I believe this is something that I'm seeing in our culture's spirituality today. And so I've decided to entitle this podcast as Spiritual Buffet, and you'll see what I mean. So hang with me for just a little bit, and I would love to maybe hear your thoughts, your feedback on this episode. So without further ado, let's go Spiritual Buffet. I love a good buffet. I get to choose what I want from all sorts of food. Whatever I desire, I dine on. Whatever I fancy, I feast on. If I know that it pleases my palate, I will put it on my plate. But if I know that it won't, I just keep walking. Another great thing about a buffet line is that I can try all kinds of food. See, if I'm paying for an all-you-can-eat experience, it doesn't hurt for me to put something that I might not like on my plate to try it. But if I don't like it, I can just push it to the side. If I do like it, then I can go back for more. See, from what I'm seeing in our culture today, many people approach spirituality like a buffet. A little Jesus, a bit of Buddha, a taste of Luther, one scoop of their favorite Instagram preacher, throw on a zodiac sign, one horoscope with a side of crystals, and then season it all with a little donkey or elephant. As we walk through the spiritual buffet line, many of us fill our plates with what we prefer and we leave off what we don't like. But there's a big problem with this when it comes to Jesus and Christianity. Jesus doesn't serve buffets. He's not in the buffet business. The Jesus of the Bible is more of a this is what we're having for dinner kind of chef than he is a made-to-order cook. When you read the Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament, time and time again, you'll see Jesus serving up some protein and vegetable-like teaching, and people are left with a choice of whether they're going to eat what he presented or walk down their own buffet line. Three out of the four Gospels record a fascinating conversation that Jesus had with a rich young man. We don't know his name, but we know that he was very spiritual and even religious. Mark 10 records this. As Jesus was starting out his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. 
and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. So this young guy walked away from the dinner table, sad. Apparently, he wanted dessert, but he got vegetables instead. See, what Jesus served to this rich young man was not palatable for his lifestyle. Even though he'd been eating much of what Jesus was teaching his whole life, he didn't want to eat this last bite because it didn't fit with with what he wanted in his spiritual lifestyle. See, Jesus knew that this guy's wealth and his stuff had become an idol in his life. His possessions were the barrier to having a relationship with the one who could give him this eternal life. So Jesus served up a meal of a lifetime for this guy to come follow him. But this young man wanted it his way. The plate was served to have an eternal relationship with Jesus, but the young man didn't want to give up what he preferred on his plate to follow him. The rich young man walked away sad. And did you notice? Jesus didn't chase after him. I really want us to see something here. Jesus set the standard with this invitation to follow him. When the young man walked away, Jesus didn't lower the bar on his teaching about how to inherit eternal life. Jesus set the table, and he genuinely wanted this man to eat with him by following him, but he wasn't about to let his truth be watered down by less commitment than the sacrificial standard. See, following Jesus is the standard. So this assumes that you and I are not the ones leading. He's leading. We are not the ones choosing what we put on our dinner plates. Jesus is the head chef. He's the leader, not you, not me. Pastor Andy Stanley put it this way. We get to choose whether or not we follow Jesus. However, we do not get to choose what following Jesus looks like, acts like, and reacts like. See, what Jesus is teaching this young man, and therefore us, is that our religious preferences and lifestyle choices must be sacrificed in order to follow Jesus alone into eternal life here and beyond the grave. Nothing more can be added. It's only Jesus' way, period. Remember, Jesus doesn't serve buffets. Now, over the last few years of working with young adults specifically, I have seen a rise in Christians who don't put on Jesus' lordship lenses when encountering cultural realities and spiritual curiosity. Many are seeing their Christian commitment through the lenses of culture and spiritual popularity rather than looking at culture through Jesus' teaching and biblical doctrine. While I'm encouraged by spiritual curiosity, I'm disturbed by the lack of Jesus' lordship. We have men and women who are following Jesus but are praying with crystals. I'm watching as young men and women who I've baptized look to horoscopes as their daily guide. And they're thinking nothing of it, like it's no big deal. So I'm here today on this podcast to sound the alarm. We have to see that this is a strategy of Satan. The enemy of our souls wants nothing more than to convince us that we don't need Jesus alone to guide us. So he deceives us into thinking that we can do this on our own. 
He wants us to think that it's no big deal to pile all kinds of spirituality on our plates, knowing full well the dangers of opening ourselves up to an unknown spiritual influence. Now, here's the thing. This is nothing new from Satan. This was his scheme with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3. This was his strategy with the people of Israel and the infamous golden calf episode on Mount Sinai, Exodus 32. This was his tactic with King Saul when he went to visit a medium, see 1 Samuel 28. See, this strategy is a twisted spirituality that is rooted in deceit that eventually wreaks havoc on life itself. So here's my point. Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Either the Bible and Jesus' teachings are your source of truth or it's not. And if you follow Jesus, you cannot have it both your way and his way. This is why it's so important for us to research and to know what Jesus said and not just take other people's word for it. So regarding cultural spirituality, the Bible strongly warns against engaging in anything related to superstition and the occult. God declares the practice of the occult detestable in Deuteronomy 18, and witchcraft is named along with idolatry and ungodly behavior in Galatians 5. The use of crystals as charms, amulets, or healing stones is a type of an occult practice, however benign it may seem. Anything that seeks to manipulate the spirit realm can be categorized as witchcraft. And the cultural and superstitious use of crystals and stars is yet another example of fallen humankind taking what God has created and twisting it for an ungodly purpose. See, crystals and stars are striking examples of God's beautiful handiwork. There's nothing wrong with crystals, with using them for home decor or wearing them as jewelry, but there's nothing magical about them. Using crystals for protection or healing is, at its root, an idolatrous practice. It's idolatry because it depends on spiritual forces other than God for healing and protection. In other words, it's the worship of something other than God. And idolatry is repeatedly and strongly forbidden in the Bible. Look at Deuteronomy 4 and Jeremiah 44, 2 Corinthians 6, and 1 Corinthians 10. If you have chosen to follow Jesus, meaning that you've surrendered to his lordship, then please understand that Jesus doesn't serve up spiritual buffets. He's the head chef, and you have to eat what he serves. And it's not because he's some cosmic killjoy in the sky. It's because he wants to lead you to eternal life, both here and now on this earth, and also protect you from the rotten death that is within that shiny so-called cultural fruit. What I love about the real Jesus is that he loves us and he wants the best for us. He wants to see us grow up strong and healthy into the eternal life that he alone can give. So to do this, Jesus knows that we must put into practice what he preaches, but he will never force us to do it. 
He leaves that choice to us, but he knows the outcome of both. See, we see this after his most famous sermon on the Mount, recorded in Matthew 5 through 7, where it says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. Yet everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus served up some vegetable teaching. And he knew what he was teaching was hard to swallow, but he served it up anyway because he knew how good it is for us to live by. But the great thing about him is he never forces anyone to eat their vegetables, but he knows it's the wise person who will do what he says. See, friend, Jesus doesn't want your house to come crashing down when the storms of life come. Jesus doesn't want you to add to his truth because he knows that you'll sink into the shifting and dangerous sand of cultural spirituality that will not hold up under the storm. False cultural spirituality wants to convince you and me that dabbling in shifting spiritual buffet lines is way more convenient and a lot more attractive when in fact it will eventually cause you to go under. The real Jesus of the Bible, he loves you, and he's good enough to tell you what is best for you and stick to that eating plan because he knows it will actually save your life. And if I were you, I'd listen to the one who has the authority and the power to give eternal life. Before you go, I've got to be honest with you. I have to force myself to eat vegetables. There are only a few vegetables that I actually like, like carrots and green beans and broccoli. But there are plenty of vegetables that I do not like, and I have to discipline myself to eat, especially asparagus. Oh, I can't stand asparagus. And the same is true spiritually. There are a lot of Jesus teachings that are hard to swallow and live by, and it's a chore for me to practice them. There are some teachings that I wish didn't exist, but because I know Jesus loves me and he wants the best for me, I choose to eat them anyway because I trust him. And I've declared that he's the head chef of my life, not me. And to be honest, this is why I need other people in my life to guide me and remind me that Jesus' teachings and ways are for my good. So I'm grateful for the brotherhood that studies God's word with me and holds me accountable to obeying it. And that's when I see my life transformed. And if you don't have this kind of community in your life, I would encourage you to get connected to a local Bible teaching church that has small group communities. And if I can help you find one through my networking, please don't hesitate to reach out to me as we start this new year. God bless.
If you've been with me for a while in the False Jesus podcast, you know that this is the portion of the show where I love to include a creative piece. And uh, usually I write them. And so because we just started 2023, I had some time to write. And so I wrote this piece called New Year, Same Me. New Year, Same Me. Different date, same mistakes. Enemy laying siege to my mind, coming after me and mine. Same strategies, same punches I've been seeing. Over and over the temptations come like a thief, wanting to fight and take me out. I better watch out. I'm never out of God's sight, but sometimes I'm out of my mind, so I better rewind and remind myself of the collateral damage. I better armor up to protect my kids and my wonderful marriage. Putting on that truth suit that sticks to me like crazy glue. Reminding my mind with each new day, hearing myself say out loud that God still wins the day. Allowing Him to fight for me and beside me. Even though I might feel alone, I remember isolation is just a scheme of the enemy. And I don't want to pretend to be stronger than I am. That's why I need the brotherhood around me so that I can firmly stand against the fiery arrows from the devil's hand. His weapon might be formed, but I know it cannot beat me because I'm a blood-bought, forgiven, and protected son of the Almighty. So you can go ahead, Satan, and be the same you doing what you always do, but I'll be the same me throwing counterpunches with the strength that Christ has given me. So bring on the fight in this new year's first few minutes and hours, and I'll be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. With each new episode, I love to bring you something that I believe that you might want to engage in. So with the new year seems to bring new year's resolutions, right? And the whole point of the False Jesus podcast is to get us into the Bible, the word of God for ourselves. Remember, we're not taking somebody else's word for it. We're reading the word of God for ourselves. Therefore, as we start out 2023, I want to introduce you to the best Bible reading plan that I have found. Mission 119 is a 91-week journey through the Bible with Pastor John Soper, the creator and guide, with a mission to help us hide God's word in our hearts. So here's how it works. You read the scriptures for about 10 minutes a day, and then you listen to a 10-minute teaching from Pastor Soper on what you just read. And what I love about this Bible reading plan is that it serves up small enough bites that I can actually attain it and chew on it throughout the rest of the day. Nothing against other Bible reading plans, but if you're trying to read the whole Bible in one year, I'm just not smart enough to comprehend all of those things. So these are smaller bites that you can attain over 91 weeks. And if you do this for five days over 91 weeks, which is almost two years, you will read through the entire Bible. So if you want to make a New Year's resolution to read the Bible, I would highly encourage you to visit mission119.org. That's mission119.org or download the Mission 119 app to learn more. And I would also encourage you to grab a couple friends to join with you on the journey for accountability and discussion. 
Well, everybody, that's all I have for you today on this episode of False Jesus. I'm thankful that you stopped by. And so if you think that this episode might be helpful for somebody, would you consider forwarding that, sharing that with them? I would really appreciate it. Happy New Year, everybody. I will see you next month for episode 11 of the False Jesus podcast. God bless.